Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Well, here's a great example as we as we wrap up this particular hour. Um, Paul and I both found this article and we're... <laughs> trading messages almost at the same time. Sometimes that's a little scary. But this is uh, the title. This uh, came out of the Wall Street Journal. The $2 million coal mine that might hold a $37 billion treasure. I read that to Elaine yesterday. (laughs) We are a bunch of uh, in-sync nerds for sure. So check this out. 12 years ago, former Wall Street banker Randall Atkins bought an old coal mine outside Sheraton, Wyoming sight unseen for about $2 million. He thought the mine might eke out a profit. Instead, Atkins recently learned it could bring a windfall. Several years after Atkins bought the uh, Brook Mine, government researchers came around asking if they could run some tests to see if the ground contained something called rare earth elements. And so everybody will be Googling rare earth elements this weekend. And anyway, uh, his sleepy mind contains what might be the largest so-called unconventional rare earth deposit in the United States, according to government researchers. At current market prices, it could be worth around $37 billion. Now, here's the interesting thing. This, uh, I won't give the ticker symbol because we don't want to encourage stock picking. But it's interesting that the day this news story broke... The stock went up 41%. <laughs> and, you know, that's its five. Now, its, you know, 10-year return is like zero. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I mean, it's got, it's got a little bit more of a return. But on the 9th of November, the stock was up 47% in a matter of minutes, if not hours. And all of that new, you know, windfall was already reflected in the stock price. But here's the interesting thing. There's kind of some nuances to this because, you know, the market reacts quickly. But look at this. In a move seen as retaliation against U.S. export restrictions, China recently limited the export of two minerals, gallium and germanium. My apologies to you physicists or chemists out there if I mispronounce that, which are used in semiconductors, missile systems and solar cells. Those minerals minerals were included in the samples tested at Atkins site in Wyoming. The U.S. consumes an average of 8,300 metric tons of rare earth oxide in recent years annually. They estimate that he has 1.1 million metric tons of uh, rare earth oxides in just over a quarter of the nearly 16,000 acres of land that comprise the site. So here we have this guy that buys a mine. He takes a risk. We were talking about capitalism earlier. He invests his money expecting a a small profit. Well, now his operation could be in the center of a really big geopolitical play if we no longer would be depending on China for rare earth minerals. That affects trade talks. That affects the ability of producing semiconductors locally, you know, kind of like we found out during covid You know, all the face masks and all the aspirin are produced over in China. Well, that's not a very good strategic situation. And so here, all of a sudden, he may have, you know, almost $40 billion worth of 
you know, natural material, that's just in its raw form. That's going to turn into, you know, probably a trillion dollars worth of microchips or semiconductors or something like that. And so, you know, you have all of these ancillary things that happen related to capitalism. And all of a sudden, why does he have value? Because those products are in demand and he's the one that has that. And so will it cost? Yeah, it'll absolutely cost him something. They anticipate several hundred million dollars to create the infrastructure to get all of these rare earth minerals out of his mine. So what does that do? Well, it creates jobs for people in mining, probably creates jobs for people serving the food to those folks that are going to be out there just like when you know fracking and natural gas and some of that stuff was going on out there. All of a sudden, you have just cities created out of nowhere because we now have this property and property ownership is key to that. He owns the 16,000 acres that have all of these materials. And that's why you don't want to stock pick in my view. Well, I, you know, I, I, I was very excited for him because I thought, wow, you know, it's like he took a gamble and, you know, invested in something that could have just been a write-off for him. Right. And now I'm wondering too, though, as I was reading that article about what, is it, you know who is he going to have to fight? Exactly. Yeah. You know because <laughs> all of the tree hugging people out there, and we can't hurt the earth unless it's in a country, and we don't really care about the kids who are mining this stuff. Um, we're not going to allow you to pull up and rough, you know, rip off the earth and destroy the earth. Yeah. Just to pull this material out and make yourself even richer. Right. You know. Right. So. That's where, again, capitalism is the best form of government um, or life. Uh, but kudos to him. I mean, I wish I had $2 million laying around to just go buy a <laughs> to go To go buy a coal mine. A coal mine. The, uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, what's the world record? The record for lottery winnings was like, it was a $2 billion dollar two pot billion, yeah, and they got, over. they ended up with a billion. <laughs> so... He had a $2 million bet and ends up with $37 billion. Capitalism is way better than the lottery for sure. The, yeah, uh, I just wonder how many tickets he bought to get that <laughs> billion dollar in that. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I love those stories. And uh, his family was in the energy business. Um, but it's just kind of exciting to see someone rewarded for that risk. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get it initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Kind of wrapping up here. Uh, earlier this week, <clears throat> I heard a very disheartening conversation going on.
between one of the hosts and one of the producers here on Super Talk. And so I thought I would provide a teeny bit of encouragement and some data because neither uh, Chris Hand nor Mac Mur- uh, Mac Mori think that they're ever uh-huh. going to get a penal of penny of Social Security. <laughs> and so uh, I just thought I would touch on that just to encourage some people, especially those two gentlemen, if they happen to be listening. But, you know, it's interesting. And you hear that, you know, there's a lot of jokes that float around. You know, more people believe in the existence of UFOs than whether or not they're going to get Social Security and so forth. And my point is not to say that the system is perfect or that it can't be improved or even, you know, if the economy just went great and Social Security went away, that wouldn't necessarily be a horrible thing long term. But uh, according to the Social Security, um, like the inspector general, currently the Social Security Board of Trustees projects program costs to rise by 2035 so that taxes will be enough to pay for only 75% of scheduled benefits. Now, not saying everyone would get 100% of what they think they would get when you get those statements once a year, you know, hey, or every couple of years, hey, here's what you think you'll, you'll be getting. But at 2037 is when they say the trust fund would be exhausted, and then you have to just use current dollars to fund Social Security and it's solvent at 76% of the benefit. So it's not like it would just go away. You might not get as much as you were expecting. But when I started to dig into this report, there's several different cost of living assumptions that go on. And with the lowest cost increase assumptions going on, the system is actually okay till like 2083, meaning if we have very low inflation and all that, that the system isn't all that insolvent. If they use the middle of the road projection, we have a problem in 2037 that you'd have to start cutting benefit. And if they use the highest cost assumptions, uh, they'd have to start reducing benefits right around mid-year 2029, which is not all that far down the road. And so I'm curious, you know, what conversations do you have both with your clients that are just about ready to collect Social Security, as well as the younger clients that you talk with, what's kind of their general impression? Do they count it for planning? They don't count on it? Well, for the younger clients, I tell them that they need to plan for themselves. Sure. But, and the first thing I do, like, especially if I'm doing a workshop, uh, setting up a company retirement plan, I'll ask the group at the, at the beginning, who thinks Social Security will not be here for you when you're ready to retire. Right. And nearly every hand will <laughs> go up. I don't yeah. care if the person is 40 or younger, every hand goes up. Yeah. So then I ask the question, well, if you're you're actually participating in the Social Security system, you're putting your money into it. Right. So if you don't believe that the system is going to be here, what are you doing to plan for yourself? Yeah. And I don't think people should plan to make Social Security their main stake in retirement, for their sure. main source of income. Yeah. They need to plan for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, and I think you might agree with this, that expecting an inheritance, yeah. <laughs> getting married, uh-huh. and winning the lottery is not financial planning. <laughs> what about that third one? What? Really? Getting married. No, no, no. Winning the lottery. Yeah. No, that's oh, not well, financial planning. I have to 
So we'll have to Stress see that. Maybe if you diversify and you play several lotteries at once, then maybe uh-huh. that's... Uh, well, I mean, you right. can diversify and just buy a lot of tickets, right? Uh, the odds are about stretch-offs. The yeah. odds of winning the uh, uh, Powerball is $290 million to one. There you go. Okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. But... I believe Social Security will be here. Like I said, maybe not a hundred percent. And I think the numbers are subjective. Like you said, it would la- it could last to two hundred and eighty three. Twenty eighty three. Twenty eighty three. Which with that rate, I just have to make sure I die at one hundred and twenty one. I don't live to one hundred and twenty two. We're safe. Okay. <laughs> um, but there are things that have been talked about, and yep. it's a political hot button because. You know, politicians' main job is getting reelected. Yeah. And if you say you're going to change the system, then your chances are you might not be reelected. Yep. Where? Oh, go ahead. But there are things that they can do. And I remember back um, back into 1994, 1995, when I was doing Social Security seminars, when I was with Trish and Lehman Brothers, and we had a guy from Social Security coming in and saying, we should just raise the rate. One, one cent, half a percent to employer and employee. Yep. And that'll totally fix the social security problem. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.